seasons of day in and day out. So it's good to have a day to celebrate. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Luke. Ah. Well, my message is very much a Mother's Day message, but, um, but I was, I was very touched as I was putting it together that it's not just about mothers when, when we look at, look at it from a Christian perspective. So I think all my points that I'm building towards and, and speaking into today are very much about relationships and about how we do life in close connection with people that, that we have right in our heart and, and hold in our heart and have a burden for. And you know, as I was reflecting on Mother's Day, I was, I was thinking, you know, our experience of motherhood is just so different for each and every person. Our own mothers, every one of them had different strengths and, and weaknesses and their own way of doing things. And then as mothers, for those of us that are and those of us that aren't yet, <laughs> we all do it differently. Everyone has their own flavor, our own touch of God in our life and our own strengths. So today I'm really just looking at more the mother heart of God and uh, the biblical expression of motherhood and parenting that, that comes through the Bible and those things we can really lean into and, and draw upon from what he tells us, aside from our own human frailties and those things that we all carry and, and put on through our life experiences. You know, it's it's easy on Mother's Day to get caught up. You know, the media really paints a picture of pink and fluffy and, and soft, but motherhood is so much more than that, which is actually another reason I wanted to throw that little video up there. As much as it's a laugh, motherhood is is courageous. Motherhood is strength personified, really, in so many ways. It's everything given in and walked through day in and day out. And it's the same, as I said, when we talk about the father heart of God, it's not just for the men. It's with the mother heart of God. It's just another attribute of the characteristics of God. He's so multifaceted. And all of us in Christ uh, are an expression of him in many different ways. So talking about the mother heart of God, it's just that side of things that we naturally attribute to mothers but it's just another expression of God and needed and necessary in every full expression, every Christian person, that ability to nurture and, and to love and to give of yourself, that grace that washes over when things are, are not the way we would love it to be, ideally, when we just need to extend the hand of grace. We put that into the picture of the mother heart of God for mercy to lift up and care for the downtrodden, for compassion, to look beyond the surface and the, the outward expression of what might be going on and to, to reach through and just see the heart of that person, to see the hopes and the dreams and the, the seedings that God has put in them, to empathize. A mother, to me, as I said, is, is steel wrapped in loving softness because it there has to be that willingness to keep pushing through despite physical or emotional exhaustion, despite things not looking the way it wants to, when you just want to go and have a cup of tea and put your feet up, but there's things that just need to be done and you need to keep walking it through. All attributes of motherhood. <laughs> so one of the first points I want to just really speak into today is... Um, it's just the power of a praying mother. 
And I, um, actually, I, I went Googling and looking for all really great stories, and I Googled up um, the power of a praying mother, thinking I'd get these really awesome testimonies. And I found this book online that was written in 1893, and... Uh, and had all these different amazing accounts in it, but nearly every one of them left me boiling my eyes out. So I'm not even sharing those today. But um, they didn't inspire me that much. They were just a bit heartbreaking. That might have been the flavor in 1893, but it's not where I'm going today. But there are so many biblical accounts um, and and just stories that have been passed down through generations where a mother has stood in prayer and, and has believed for her children and, and stood there. And I think for mothers and for fathers, and this goes for spiritual mums as well as natural mums, to stand and declare over someone's life, to keep standing for them and believing in them. Charles Spurgeon, that many of you would have heard, heard of, he's written incredible commentaries and and really expounded the word of God. But he he said, I cannot tell you how much I owe to the solemn word of my good mother. You know, his mum would just speak to him and speak truth and sow into him. Abraham Lincoln said, I remember my mother's prayers and they have always followed me. They have clung to me all my life. It's powerful words, isn't it? I think we just can't underestimate that power of, of releasing in the spirit those things over our children and over our loved ones, over our close relationships, prayers and words of life. Proverbs 14.1 says, A wise woman builds her home, but a foolish, a foolish woman tears it down with her own hands. You know, we are called in the spirit to really build our house, to build our families to build our relationships in all their different forms, to speak life into them, to impart wisdom when we've found it, to bring direction and to, to guide, to build up. We're called to seed into your household words of faith that will just be, that will cling, like Abraham Lincoln said, will cling to those people and walk with them wherever they're walking. They'll know there's something deep inside them. We're called to build our house in the spirit. And there's no underestimating it. There's no escaping it. But whatever we're responsible for and given guardianship over and stewardship of, we need to build it in the spirit. Don't underestimate the power of prayer. I love hearing those stories. As I said, many of the ones I I read yesterday just brought me to tears. But um, one of them was such a great example of this group of rowdy young men. As I say, 1800s, their version of rowdy might be a little bit different to our version of rowdy. But uh, this young man had been sent off to law school. And and he was there with his mates. And it was the Sabbath day, um, as the story told it. And they were going off and they all had cards. They're off to, to play cards and they all had their own flask of wine. And uh, so off these young law students went and they were traipsing along. I think it's an American story, but um, suddenly ringing across a lake were these church bells that, that just sort of cut through the atmosphere. And, and this one young man stopped and he said, I'm going to church. And, uh, and all the, uh, the men that were, the young guys that were around him all started to mock him and, and they said, quick, gather around. He's lost his mind. He's gone religious on, a, on us. Let's baptize this right out of him. And they, they stood around him and, and, and were telling him to, to stop his silliness or they were going to dunk him in the freezing lake next to him. Um, and so he began to share with them a story. 
that uh, that he was. He said, you, many of you know me from law school, but none of you know my story. And he began to share that his mother, all his life, had been an invalid, that he'd never once remembered seeing her out of bed, and he was the youngest of his siblings, and that, that they never could afford schooling for him. It was only his older siblings, and then by the time he was coming up, there was never enough money. But if, the teacher was a good friend, and so he'd agreed to teach him and, and tutor him along. And finally, he'd done so well, and it was time that, that uh, he was offered this place, a scholarship, into law school. But his mum had said no. All, no, 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 all the way along. Until finally, when it was just about the end of the cutoff, his mum called him into, his, into her room and, and said, okay, you can go. I give you my blessing. And uh, so preparations were made. And then in the final time, when he was waiting for the stagecoach to come and pick him up, the, he, the mother called him into his bedroom again and got him to kneel down by the bed and, and shared with him and said, two years you'll be gone and two years we can't afford to bring you home. So she said, I'll tell you that every Sabbath day between 10 and 11, I'll be praying for you. But by the time you finish your schooling, I'll be in heaven. So this is the last time you'll lay eyes on me. You can see why I was crying. <laughs> So this young man, she had laid, laid her hand upon his head and, and had prayed and imparted a strong prayer that wasn't in the story. But he said he often woke up to dreams of those exact words. And that day when the church bells rang, he was awakened finally to the power and the fruit of those prayers. And, and the story goes on to tell, and these, these are true accounts, this is not fiction, that, uh, that, they, that all those young men then were crying. They all marched themselves to church and all eight of them served the Lord every day of their life. Some of them through law and what they gave, some of them in full-time ministry. But, um, and, and it finished off with who will ever know the, the fruit that came from that mother's prayer that transformed those lives. But uh, I just want to encourage you. As I said, that was a, a true account. But that mother may never have seen the fruit of that but she prayed faithfully, she stood in spirit, and she built her house deliberately with prayer. <clears throat> I just encourage you, mums and grandmums and dads as well, as I said, it's um, not gender-biased, this message, but to not underestimate the power of standing in the spirit and imparting. And even when you sow those seeds and you don't see immediate fruit, keep trusting and keep declaring. My next point is that sharing actually is caring. <laughs> and uh, this is something that women do. We share a lot. We, we talk a lot and we like to um, get in each other's worlds and, and really speak a lot. And uh, I just, I, I feel like I've been saying this intermittently for years now, but, but it's a saying I'd keep coming back to, to use your sisterhood for good. And... Uh, and that's the power of standing together in faithfulness, standing together to uphold the promises of God and, and to speak life into each other. You know, it says, um, I've got a quote here by John MacArthur that says, Older women should teach young women the skills and disciplines needed to have a successful home and marriage. Experienced wives and mothers will find their greatest avenue of ministry in teaching younger wives what they need to know to be effective wives, mothers, and homemakers. It's kind of sound when I first read it, I thought, oh, it's a bit old-fashioned. But, you know, it's so not. It's so needed. Lots of, you know, there's so much 
that is gleaned along the way. And we can't leave it to the media and to pop culture to train up young women in what's right and what's wrong and how to cope in situations that come up because real life happens to everyone. Generation after generation, things come up and we go around the mountains again. And so as a part of embracing that mother heart is to nurture and to pass on what has been gleaned and what has been learned. The Bible puts it this way in Titus 2, 2 to 5. It says, As for you, Titus, it's Paul writing to him, promote the kind of living that reflects wholesome teaching. Teach the older men to exercise self-control, to be worthy of respect, and to live wisely. They must have sound faith and be filled with love and patience. Similarly, teach the older women to live in a way that honors God. They must not slander others or be heavy drinkers. Instead, they should teach others what is good. These older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children, to live wisely and be pure, to work in their homes, to do good, and to be submissive to their husbands. Then they'll not bring shame on the word of God. You know, there's so much in just standing together and and giving out. There's so much... So many times when, like in that video we just watched, when you're in that stage of young children and and young motherhood and things where the world is spinning out of control and that same thing can come around generation after generation that you're on your own, that isolating feeling of no one else quite knows what it's like and with marriages and with all, you know, children of all ages. To be able to stand together and say, actually, you know, I've been through that. These are some of the tricks I learned to to help each other. You know, I knew from a young age how to be a great mother. <laughs> you know, I knew what worked. I knew what didn't work. I knew what never to do. And then I had children. <laughs> you know, it's all well and good to have the ideal and have the the, you know, what it is going to be up here. But walking it out. It's different. It's always different to what you expect. Every relationship, every close relationship has ups and downs. And that definitely goes for motherhood, for marriage, for those ones that are right there in the heart. There's, we all have moments. There's no one size fits all because we're all created unique and different. So stand together and support each other. The mother heart of God has the ability to see through circumstance and to seek life. (laughs) I just, as I was praying into this, I was really, I was thinking about the different great mothers through the Bible, and there's lots of them, just really, um, there's great stories, but the Shunammite woman really stood out to me when I was putting this together. And she's the one that when Elisha was, was a prophet, he'd taken over from Elijah, and she was a wealthy woman, she had everything in the natural that you could want. She was married to a, a great man. She seemed very happy and whole. She was hungry for God. So this is the woman that decided to make an upper room for the man of God to stay in. She made room for Elisha. And, and in blessing her, in returning to that, um, Elisha and his, prophet, uh, and his assistant Gehazi discovered she had no child. And that was her greatest need. And so she was blessed and she had a child. The Shunammite woman finally became a mum. But it wasn't very long after that the child went out into the field to see his father. He was out with the reapers 
And suddenly he had a terrible headache. He was crying, my head, my head. And so the father sent the servant to carry the child into the house. I'll read it here from 2 Kings 4. Are you following on up there, Luke? Because it starts um, verse 18 in 2 Kings 4. Thanks, Luke. It says, And the child grew... Recapping here. Now it happened one day that he went out to his father to the reapers, and he said to his father, My head, my head. So he said to a servant, Carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, shut the door upon him, and went out. Can you imagine? My gosh. Then she called to her husband and said, Please send me one of you, one of the young men and one of the donkeys, that I may run to the man of God and come back. So he said, why are you going to him today? It's neither the new moon nor the Sabbath. And she said, it is well. Then she saddled a donkey and said to her servant, drive and go forward. Do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. And so she departed and went to the man of God at Mount Carmel. So it was when the man of God saw her afar off that he said to his servant Gehazi, Look, the Shunammite woman, please run now to meet her and say to her, Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered him and said, It is well. Now when she came to the man of God at the hill, she caught him by the feet. But Gehazi came to push her away. But the man of God said, Let her alone, for her soul is in deep distress deep distress and the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me now she found herself right there at the feet of the the man of God we're talking Old Testament so the Holy Spirit wasn't poured out on all flesh at that stage she went to where she knew the Spirit of the Lord was she went to seek the presence of God in her distress and it's such a powerful powerful principle that's being taught here through this that she didn't stop and, and cry and scream to everyone along the way. She didn't come into agreement with the circumstance that was staring her right in the face. She decided she was seeking first the presence of God and what would be said there. Before she let her grief and her emotions and, and everything cloud where she was, she went to find agreement with the presence of God and see what would be said in his presence. She decided in that moment that she would only say it is well, to speak life. She declared that the promise was greater than what she was seeing in the natural. Now there was many opportunities in that story for her to stop and and just to break down and to go into what was there looking at her. And for every one of us in all our close relationships, I, I pray we never have anything quite like this one. But in every circumstance, when things come at us that don't look the way we want them to look, when things are are catastrophic in times, disappointing, when things aren't smooth, and our first reaction can be to to come right into agreement with that circumstance that's staring us in the face, to start talking about it and looking at it and to stop right there where it is. I know for me... I. Often, you know, things happen. I can't wait to talk to Andrew and just, oh my gosh, you won't believe it. But I'm being reminded afresh just to stop, seek the Lord first, to find what he's saying, to find his heart for the circumstances. She decided that 
that she would drive forward without slackening until she found that place. She was questioned in her mission. And I think sometimes when we've got things that are, that are coming against us and circumstances that aren't right, there are always questions to your mission. You know, her husband said, what are you going for? It's not the new moon, it's not the Sabbath. What are you going for? That was, a fairly, that was a fair question. But in other times, in other circumstances, when we just decided we're going to seek God, find his answer, find what he's saying, there'll be others that question our methods. They think we should be going another way. Everyone has an opinion and a thought sometimes. But the first place you need to seek when things don't look the way it is, the way you want it to look, is to seek God. Seek what he says. You know, this Shunammite woman was an inspiration and in that she just leaned into that promise. And she trusted that if God would give him, why would he take him away? If she said in the first place, don't, don't you mock me. <laughs> she really came against that prophet in the beginning and said, don't, don't be tricking me now. If this isn't for real, I don't want to start the journey. She had the assurance and so she leant into the assurance that she could hold on to it and not let go. Awesome. So my next point leading on from that actually doesn't come from a mother in the Bible. But this, this actually from my own personal experience is a, is a story that I've been really leaning on um, from the word of God. And it's the story of the prodigal son and the faithful father. Because the Lord's been really dealing with me and speaking to me to have the wisdom to release your children to find their own revelation of faith. And uh, that's not releasing them in the spirit. <laughs> but uh, many of you know that, I'm sure most of you know the story of the, the prodigal son. That he was raised up in the family with his father and then came to an age where he was bored of farm living. Thank you very much. And so he asked his dad if he could please just have his share of the inheritance now, which really was the equivalent of saying, can't you just be like dead to me, dad? I want my inheritance. I'm out of here bit of a slap in the face but this son came anyway and asked it boldly and the father right then at that moment could have forbidden him could have locked him in could have kept him right where he was but something in the dad felt it was okay to release him to go and so the dad took took half of his money and gave it to the son and he went off and I'm sure most of you know the story that he went off and he blew it he lived wildly partied until he was absolutely broken and distraught and thought he would come back and be a servant instead of, um, instead of living by the pigsty that he was living in in the, in the world he'd created. But I've been, as I said, really pushing into this story for myself because the Lord's dealing with me. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, the dad didn't chase him. He let him go. The dad didn't lock him down in law and, and, and make him stay there. But he watched him walk out that gate. I imagine it was very prayerfully. I imagine it was with an incredibly heavy heart. But he stood there and trusted. The dad didn't enable him when he was off and he was starting to run out of money, when he was losing friends, and even when he went to the pigsty, the dad didn't rescue him. 
He didn't support him in that lifestyle. But he stood back and he waited and he watched. We know that he watched because when the son was still a very far way off, the father saw him on the horizon and went running for him. You know, the Bible speaks right throughout about watchmen, about the ones that would stand on the wall and watch for what's happening in the spirit. And so I was really stirred in this that, again, coming back to that praying parent, the praying loved one, to stand and to watch in the spirit and to speak life in the spirit and to trust that those ones will come back to us, the ones will come back into the, into the household and into the family, to be expectant in our relationships that aren't looking the way they're supposed to look and to trust God. The other point from that story is that the father was filled with forgiveness and grace and mercy. That when that son came walking back into the house, he, didn't, he wasn't scolded, he wasn't reprimanded, he wasn't made to go and sleep in the servants' quarters, which was all the hope that he had. He was reinstated because he came in repentance. He came ready with a revelation of his own of the love of the father and the blessing of the house. So I want to encourage you all just to be to be generous in your loving kindness to your, in your relationships, to trust God. It's next level faith when we can't lock people down and put them in a cupboard. <laughs> we have to trust that God is working in their hearts. You all the mummies are nodding. Yeah. <laughs> you know what it's like. But to know that God is faithful and God is true. And in time and in season, each and every person has their own journey with God their own way to find it. Now, I've been recently um, counselling a young man that is really going through extraordinary hardship, and he's not a Christian yet, but, um, but he's going out with a girl that is, and, uh, and he's in deep distress because her parents have said that, uh, that she needs to choose between them, her parents and her brothers and sisters, or him, and uh, that if she chooses him, she's never allowed to see her family again. Because uh, uh, he's um, not in the faith yet. So um, it's really been making me think afresh about this whole story and that we can't legalize our children into faith as much as we'd like to sometimes. <laughs> but their own revelation needs to come on their own journey. They need to find their way. Because at the end of the day, our faith won't stand for our children when they reach heaven. Our laws won't get them through those gates and into the kingdom of God. It's only by trusting God and believing in the spirit that the Lord's going to actually activate their faith and their heart. And we can guide and we can speak life and we can seed in all that we can. But we can't railroad them into heaven. Are you all still with me? (laughs) Good, good. You know, God's heart is completely for us. And when we look at the, the mother heart of God and the, that, that nurture and the kindness that he offers to us, I think it's important to press into that because it's as we receive it that we can give it out. Because we can't give from an empty cup. But as we come and we rest in it, like that beautiful worship this morning that was so, as, um, as Wendy saw in the spirit there, saw the Lord just laying down beside the still waters. As I was feeling in the spirit, that invitation, the same thing, to enter into his rest, to be touched by him, to be freshened by him, 
to be able to be to be filled and nurtured and strengthened for the journey. And when we want to live in godly relationship with those close to us, we need to press into that place, run beyond our own thinking. We have an almighty father. In Zephaniah 3.17 it says, The Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. I love that. (laughs) He loves to share with us great mysteries and revelation. In Proverbs 25.2 it says, It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings is to search out a matter. You know, we all have to go on this journey. It's like a treasure hunt, day in and day out. And we can encourage each other and support each other. We can nurture, we can share, we can give hints. But at the end of the day, we all are on our own treasure hunt for the revelation of the goodness of God. The mother heart of God looks through our mistakes and our shortcomings. He looks through our unbelief and our hardness of heart. He looks through our circumstances that we're bound in. He sees us as he created us. He sees the plans that he has for us. He sees that eternal purpose that he decided would be ours before he ever created the world. We all know this one, Jeremiah 29, 11 to 13. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. It's so comforting, isn't it, that the Lord holds us and calls us. But again, I finish off with that last point, that we have the free will. Deuteronomy thirty nineteen. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. And I just feel that real call in the spirit to choose life, to choose the blessing, to choose the goodness of God, to choose to be one that carries that. Have your vessel full because we need to nurture each other and to share it, to sprinkle it over our families, that you and your descendants may live, to be eternally minded generationally minded today let's choose life lord i just thank you so much that uh, that you are leading us on this journey lord that we can look at your multifaceted character that in you there's no shadow of turning but there is so much There's so much in you for us to explore, to learn and to press into, to be reminded of. Lord, I pray that for each of us, that for just for today, you begin begin in us a new journey of discovery, of your softness, of your mercy, of your enduring love, my God. I pray for all of us that, uh, that have family that we're so believing for, that we're speaking over and standing for in the spirit, Lord, that you would strengthen us today. Lord, we're so encouraged by your word that tells us to keep standing, to keep believing.
keep speaking life. That your word will not return to your void, Lord, as we stand on your promises. But you'll send it forth to accomplish all that you purpose for it. I pray that in all our closest relationships, Lord, you will help us to seek you first before we speak. That you set guards at our mouth, Lord, that we are ones that speak life, speak hope and speak encouragement. For our children, for our grandchildren, Lord, and for the descendants that are to come, Lord, I thank you that your blessing will roll down for a thousand generations. Thank you for nurturing your people today. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Let's invite you to stand up and, and worship God. And if there's anything I can pray with you for today, I'd, I'd love, I'd be privileged to stand with you. But otherwise, I just invite you to seek the Holy Spirit.